Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest live episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as Pretty Ugly and the recently released The Japanese Box. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martin, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes Dibs Since September, Move on Melinda, and Climb the Salmon Ladder. Joining us today is internet celebrity, Devery <laughs> Bryn Donaldson, author of You're Going to Die Alone. <laughs> and, and other, other excellent other news. Excellent news. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you have the book because Allison and I both did the audio. So. Yeah. Oh, so you have heard my voice in your ears for so voice. many hours. Now, for many, We've been talking many for hours. days. You don't remember? Now I feel I, You know what? It's been a blur. I've just been <laughs> having such a great time. <laughs> um, so I always love it when, um, like, I'm listening to memoir and the author is the narrator. It always it seems, like, kind of weird when they're not. <laughs> yes. Back when I was a child, this is an old man and it's a young woman's story. That's yeah, I mean, that would have been, like, if I could have gotten, like, maybe Christopher Walken, I would have done it, but yeah. there's, just, there's very few old men narrators that I would have been like, you could nail this. Yeah, you can, you, you really got it. Um, so, Jeffrey, welcome to Voxomatous. We are obviously um, not super professional. We don't have questions planned out. We're just going to, like, take this on a wild ride through string cheese and oh, oh I, I brought my cheese platter it's not really oh. like a nice one but this is provolone oh and these are yeah. big old chunks of feta from the improvised dinner on monday night that only i liked welcome to being a mom where your kids <laughs> food whatever it's girl fine. dinner like mom dinner <laughs> mom dinner um so <laughs> i i'm just gonna have a do a really quick shout out to we are all at the same agency you two share an agent i mm -hmm. am just an agent sibling of yours but Oh, cheers to Talcott Notch. Oh, you got merch? Why don't so we have I was at hey, New England hurt. Crime Bake over the weekend. Oh, that's why. And there's a lobster on it. Yeah. Crime okay. Bake. I'm about to I'm about to why text is, an agent. Um, why is yeah. lobster in handcuffs? What kind of crustacean it's, crimes? It's did crime. The commit? Oh, all the crimes. Okay, okay, that's a really good it's a very, it's a very, very naughty lobster. So, Devery, tell our <laughs> viewers and listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the book you're going to dive Wow. <laughs> or tell that? us a lot about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do that, just tell them to read the book because the book is about you. So, I mean, about your book, yeah, there you I go. Mean, okay. Yeah, the book has a lot about me in it, certainly. Thank you, Amy. I think, um, oh, yeah, merch. <laughs> I got time. you, boo. We're expecting. Okay, uh, everybody, all of the agent siblings listening to this right now are all going to be demanding this. So sorry, you've now committed to a lot of merch. All right, we're done. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> is early. <laughs> um, things about me. Let's see. I consider myself overall as a job a storyteller. I like to tell stories in multiple mediums, all kinds of them. I think it's probably the oldest job profession. Um, I don't know. I think of it as, as sort of a gift or responsibility on the planet. Every time I go, I moved to New York recently and I'm doing museums and stuff. I'm trying to be in my New York era, you know, put my little Culture. headphones on, go bop around. And every time I, I get to a museum where there's like ancient depictions of stories in, you know, physical mediums and that kind of stuff, I get this like rush of like, yeah, we've been doing this forever. Um, so I think of myself that way, um, partially because I wear a lot of hats, partially because it helps me in my head legitimize the fact that I am a quote unquote influencer, um, which I like <laughs> to refer to as a semi-professional internet clown. 
which I think, yeah, it's kind of the modern day clownery, you know, like I stroll up, people are like, they summon me on a little square. They're like dance clown. And I do a little jig and everyone laughs and we carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started with that uh, kind of steamrolled into being able to write this book when I was manifesting with the moon that I was going to write a book of poetry to satiate my inner teenager who wrote a lot of angsty poetry. I still have some of it. It is beautiful. I am glad all of my teenage journals got very damaged in a house flood because I feel like I would be too tempted to read aloud from my rhyming love poem era. Oh, did you cause that flood by any chance? Because I'm not putting past you, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I summoned it. Or was okay. it the lobster? I was, it was the- I mean, it's water, it's crime, it's a crustacean. <laughs> I'm saying he's finally gotten caught after all he these got years. Caught. He got caught. No, I my teenage poetry is like I showed I read it to my parents once and they were like, That's it, you're going to therapy. And I was like, You don't understand. Um, and then looking back, I remember being so sure that it was like the best writing. Like at one point I went to an English teacher and I was like, read this poem I read in my free time and give me feedback. And they were kind of like, it's okay. And I was like, and like walked away and I found it recently. It was like me. Okay. Yeah. It was (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Whatever boomer was very much the vibe. Um, So I started, I was like, I'm going to write a book of poetry. I'm going to self publish it. Like my grandma will buy a copy and that'll be enough for me. And I didn't tell anyone. I pretty much literally looked at the moon and told her. And within about three weeks, I had half a book of poetry written because am I sitting on feelings or what? And I got a <laughs> DM from this random lady named Amy who was like, hi, I'm a literary She's agent. pretty random, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a literary agent. I've been watching you for like five or six months. Please tell me you've wanted to write a book. I was like, oh, that's so weird. Yeah, I would love to write a book of poetry. And she was kind of like, that's not yeah, like, oh, can it be not that? again? <laughs> yeah, she was again, like, maybe what like- I'm hearing is that Amy is like connected with the moon, which is new to me, but I'm sure she probably wouldn't deny it that she's like, so Amy's a witch. Yeah. Well, you knew the power came from somewhere. <laughs> so she that I was like, yeah, but I also have this idea for a novel and this idea for a book. And she was like, oh, my God. So we started working together just after that was like the turn of the new year going into 2022. And then I think the first week of February in 2022, I quit my job on a whim and I flew to Edinburgh with no plans or money or friends in that city. And that turned into kind of a social media moment. A lot of people saw it and in complete reckless support of my utter abandon of my life, Venmoed me beer money for my birthday because I was turning 30. <laughs> and enough, 9 million people saw it, and enough people Venmoed me beer money that I rented an apartment in Edinburgh for six months and wrote this freaking book. <laughs> that is amazing. I, love I don't think that. I've heard of, I mean, I've heard of people who have, I'm not going to throw any writers under the bus, but I've heard of some who have very wealthy parents and they went and wrote their novel in a chalet for like nine months. And I'm going, sure. must be nice to have a chalet. Yeah, that's very relatable. But, but then yeah. beer money is a lot funnier than like, yeah, like collecting chalet. beer money from strangers who were just like, hell yeah, burn those bridges, girl. I was like, okay. And I got this little apartment at the the base of the Royal Mile, like in Holyrood. And it was so like dank and wet. And <laughs> there was, it, it was completely, it was, it was like a kind of a basement, but not really. And there was, I kind of, kind of had a patio, but not really 
And there was this giant pigeon and this very skinny squirrel that fought for <laughs> snacks on the patio every day. And I was and they like, became your best be friends. Like, I okay, they're, it's that, literally but... in the book. I was like, much of this book was written with the company of these two creatures, which I created salacious backstories for. <laughs> I feel like they could have their own internet show with like the squirrel and the pigeon. And yes. I do love that the pigeon made it to both the book, but also the cover of the book where yes. it is eating part of the title. But in my head, he's eating. He looks like he's got SpaghettiOs, which makes more sense to me. Good but for him. I mean, I was thinking it was Cheerios. <laughs> well, yeah, either way, we want carbs. But yours is the ones that lower your cholesterol, Jennifer. Mine are the kind that I used to, I still crave. I'm like, I know it's not good for me, but I still want Chef Boy Oh Boy, as my dad used to call it. Listen, emotional and mental health is just as important as physical. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to make that balance call. You need yeah, your emotional doctor. support carbohydrates. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm just, my doctor's not allowed to be watching this episode because he's like, Allison, we've talked about your cholesterol and this is not helping. I'm like, jeez. Sign off, doctor. It's provolone yeah, time. Doctor doesn't need to be here. Um, mm -hmm. I've been eating like nothing but potatoes for like a solid week and a half now. Okay. But when I do that, that's called connecting to my Irish heritage. So just, you know, don't hate. Amen. I yeah. think I have a skit about that very thing <laughs> at some point. Um, so, yeah. So book, I mean, long story short about the book, it's like a collection of stories that ask questions about what I would say is like the nature of change, what it's like to be a woman in the world, the current world that we live in. Can we change how to choose who you want to be on purpose and like just kind of giving people permission to forgive themselves maybe for who they were when they didn't know better or for things that they've done in the past that they still feel stuck to and take a deep breath. And it's also, you know, I tried to be a little funny in there. So there's some giggles. So I would say it's a, it's like a collection of musings, stories, and like poetry. I snuck the poems in. I did it. <laughs> and you're like, don't skip the poems. And because I was yep. listening to it, I guess I could have every time a poem came up, hit change, but it doesn't say, it. by the way, this was a poem. Like you have to wait and start listening. I'm like, oh, she's doing a poem now. But if yeah. you're just looking at it, I guess you could have done that. And you could have put in big letters. Do not skip me. I meant for you to read all of this. <laughs> 10 out of 10. But I feel like the only reason, the only way like on the audiobook that you could pick up that it was like a poem is my You have voice. a poetry voice. I have, it, it's like almost <laughs> a bedroom voice, but not yeah, quite. You get like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, I'm like whiskey oh, girl. Yeah. Yeah, da, da, da. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is a poem you can tell because it's yeah. in a lower register. We're right, but then when emotions. she's talking about to my inner child, then that's a little mm -hmm. creepy if she's talking to little kids that way. Like, don't do well, that it was to my mother's inner child, let's be clear. That's and, not uh, that was, in terms of that of was more it's sexual. it's not it's not it's not creepy sensual. It's more like low and quiet, like if you were approaching a wild animal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something like <laughs> that. Coyote who's looking at you like this. You know, but yeah, again, I'm like just, flat you know, palm provolone in it. Yeah, you just, you okay. just, you just, you don't want to skip those, even if it sounds like, oh, she's doing her come hither voice, where it's the don't sneak up on it voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. Could be either. Um, so I dabble in um, like personal essay and memoir and stuff. None of it's really like out in the world. Mm -hmm. It's just Wait, like stop. in a folder on my Wait, computer. Excuse me, the Japanese box is what that is. I know, it's actually, that's true. All of it. So I always pretend more. that that's fiction. But. It's, okay, you fictionalized it till someone reads it and goes, um, Jennifer, this is, other than the first story, which I know is not true, the rest of them I'm pretty sure are all completely true. Yeah, great. I cannot read. I'm going to read the entire thing so that then I feel like we're on a vulnerability level that's the same yeah. because you know a lot about me. <laughs> I know, I know I do. Um, was it scary 
putting all of this out into the world? Um, or was it like liberating, like jumping off a cliff into uh, a nice warm body of water? And like finish that sentence. For Just like jumping off the cliff. You know, just like uh, that, you know, that was my final invasive freedom thoughts. there. No. <laughs> I think, like, I think that's like a great question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. I think the truth is, um, it wasn't really either of those things. I think the process of writing it, mm. um, I healed a lot because I worked through things that I didn't really realize needed attention by writing these essays. Because at first it was just like, can you write a funny collection of essays that's sort of an expansion of your TikTok style? And on TikTok, I do like 60 second monologues that are very, they're mostly funny, kind of like ranty, sometimes have like a feminist tone. Some It's mostly like bottled chaos, you know, like raccoon in a dumpster eating pizza vibes. Um, so there's not, every once in a while, I surprise somebody with some like deep heart and soul on, on TikTok, but the attention span's a lot shorter. Um, so it started kind of being like, can you do a collection of essays that's like an expansion of this? And in in the pursuit of writing an entire book, which I don't know if you guys know this, you, you got to write a lot of words in that. In, in so many book. words. That's why so the many. idea of a poetry collection is easier for me. Well, I always think I'm like, oh, because it's less words. The pages are shorter. It's yeah. still going to look thick. Yeah, I'm still Jennifer, gonna. That's I'm, just because you can't do math, so you don't realize that all these still add up to a lot of words. Yeah, but it is like half the words. I will give you yeah. that, and especially if I draw little drawings for each one that's, oh, that's on the true. other page. The white yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm about to negative space that straight into a freaking page count. But as I was trying to kind of come up with Take more that, and more things, yeah. <laughs> as I was trying to come up with more and more things to say, it was like, okay, I'm digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And then as I was going back and looking through what I had and being like, this rings hollow. I need something more vulnerable. If I'm going to ask a reader to go into this vulnerable space, I need to prove that I can go there first and that they can trust me as a guide. And so as I kept kind of building out the book. Um, and and really narrowing in on and centering around kind of what I wanted the impact to be of the collection. There were some things in there that I really, really had to like confront um, for the first time in a, in a measured way, in a way that was like, I'm walking through this, these bad feelings and these things that have happened to me, not just to like punish myself, but because I'm trying to alchemize them into something helpful for someone else. Mm-hmm. And so by the time that it got to the point where I was publishing the book itself, it didn't feel scary. I wasn't worried about the thing is like, by the time I'd written, finished this, I was like, I know exactly who I am. These stories are, they're solidified. That's the truth. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of of who I am as a person. So it wasn't like this fear of people like seeing or knowing things. You know, there's a chapter in there called 300 and what is it? 22 year, 364 day and 22 hour old version or 29 year. You know, it's this, I wasn't worried about that so much. Um, and I wasn't like, finally people will see me because <laughs> truly the You've book is not, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I, that's the case. But I think truly like for me, when I took on the project, I was like, okay, if I'm going to write this, I'm writing it to try to add good to the world. And I'm, there's an impact I want to have here. Um, this isn't a book about me. I tried to write not a book about myself, but a book that was for somebody 
in specific, like a specific person in my head who, if they read this right now in their life, could it help them? Um, and so well, I know the audience I, isn't isn't like the bro dudes with their fish, but I do <laughs> feel like they all need to read that section and stop posing with the fish. And yeah. I mean, it was and written the, to them. I mean, yeah. but I mean, like they may not be the audience for the entire book. Like, probably they're not your generic. This is the person I'm thinking would probably be getting getting a lot out no. of this, but they should read that one. <laughs> they should. I wish they'd read the whole thing. Frankly, yeah. uh, they they'd be patience. like, oh wow. Gosh, yeah. women are complicated. They have feelings. <laughs> Look at and, this whole person in front of me. She's like almost like a human person, even but though almost. she's a woman. Almost. Put down the fish, pick up the book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, by the time it was published, I was I was just, it felt almost like um, not a freedom, not a fear. It felt almost like a responsibility of like, I've been given the opportunity to tell stories on a grander scale, to have people's attention, to be offered kind of their hope as they go into this book with some fear, with some, you know, hope that they find something that answers a question or whatnot. Um, and I take I take that responsibility fairly seriously. So for me, I was just like, yes, this feels like the right thing to do, if that makes sense. No, it does. So I think like, I always think when I like publish an essay or something like that, I'm just like, I just hope my mom doesn't read it. Um, but she's never read anything I've written. So like, yeah. I, I don't, it's like just an unfounded fear I have like, oh, sure. she's gonna pick up this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um I had mixed feelings about the family reading this one. I was like, you don't need to. You really don't need to. <laughs> I didn't want to be like, don't, but I was like, don't need to. And um, you know, that's been part of the journey is having the family have react. Them, have any of them started commenting on any of that? Have you have you had feedback from that or saying Oh sure? Oh, I would like oh, to put sure. my own little epilogue in here and they're like, you write oh, your own book. Sure. I yeah. always feel like my mom doesn't read my stuff, but like some of my other family does. And they'll say things oh. like, oh, like, did that actually happen? Like, mm. oh, I remember it differently. And I'm like, yeah. You weren't even there. You weren't there. Thank you, Thank you for your <laughs> Yeah. Or like you were there and you're not remembering it the way that I'm remembering it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Exactly. Um, and that's like the beauty, I think, of memoir and personal essay and things like that. And even creative nonfiction, because we all have our very unique experiences. Yeah. And two people can live the same in the same house and see and feel things drastically different. That is the argument. So <laughs> as long as people can like wrap their heads around that, I'm like, OK, carry on. Read the book. Um, if I feel like that's not going to happen from here on out, I'm going to have like a no fly list for like, please, family, don't read this. <laughs> I will say my grandma, I was speaking to her the other day and she was like, I can order your book now. Right. I'm like, absolutely. And she's like, what's it about? And I was like, well, it's kind of like gave the same spiel I gave you. And she goes, so I won't understand it. And I said, you know, I don't even think you need to read it. And she was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> That's when you tell grandma, sorry, grandma, it doesn't come in the large print edition yet. I'll let you know when it does. I'm just like, put it on your shelf and um, don't good. open it. Or yeah, put it on your that. coffee table and say, my granddaughter wrote this yeah. and be very happy and proud. And again, don't open it. But it's a very yeah. bright cover. I mean, it's it's eye-catching. I like it. It's the same color as my thesaurus, but sure you know, is. it's not yeah. a she's a, She's a neon gal. Um, this little, you know, my favorite part about it is frankly, the author title or a photo, which I had to work. I, I had to fight a little bit to get this in there. Hey, but this the is, is it the pizza oh, wait, one? one. Okay. Yeah, it's pizza? me eating pizza with both my hands at once. 
we, um, we used that in the, the thumbnail for this episode just because oh, amazing. Was, I had to go looking for that because it was not on your website. Your website yeah. has the one where you just look terrified, which I used earlier. Okay. And Amy says that you designed the cover and I, I do love the cover, even though I do think that the pigeon is eating SpaghettiOs, which I mean, I guess everyone can impute their own round carbon. You're allowed to interpret that. Yeah. I mean, it's I kinda... small for a donut. It's, it's, I kind of see it as know. like if like the O is you and you've just been like sitting kind of cozy in the word that you've always been in the little world you've always been in. And then the, the pigeon is life, man. And he comes <laughs> along and he plucks you right so out deep. of your comfort zone and he like <laughs> takes you on a little ride. The pigeon is life, man. So you want to interpret yourself world. as a All as right. a spaghettio girl. Allison, that is your right. Look, I'm you're right. kind of wearing the same color as the sauce in SpaghettiOs. So I am channeling yeah. SpaghettiOs right now. Right. When I'm getting I'm just hungry. trying to blur my eyes a little bit, I think you might be Chef Boyardee. Like there's something happening up there with canned pasta and you. And I'm not even Italian. He probably isn't either. Love it. Um, do you feel bad that the squirrel didn't get any love on the cover? I don't. You know what? I don't because squirrels, they don't. He was a skinny bitch anyways. They don't need a PR person. You know what I mean? Like I would feel bad if, if I was talking about rats a lot and rats didn't get the, like rats and squirrels are the same creature in my, in my eyes, but squirrels just got like a really good PR guy. You know what I mean? What they have is a better tail. And that's really all it boils down to. Cause I've had pet rats. They are amazing. They are loving. One of them bit my nose cause they thought I was a carrot, but he felt bad about it. I could tell. You're and wearing awesome. a lot of orange. Yeah. But I, I wasn't that, I, I mean, I don't always wear orange, sure? but again, I was very sad <laughs> about my sure, rat died. My rat died like the same week I broke up with my boyfriend at the time. And I was really oh, sad about oh. the rat. But again, the point, the point is they have better tails and that's really why people don't like rats because they yeah. have those long skinny tails mm -hmm. and they're kind of, yeah, they, not, they didn't choose that. Yeah. You know, that's they didn't choose that. We can't choose our body type. Pigeons, pigeons don't choose to have maimed little feet. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just doing their best. I had rats too growing up, by the way. And I had a similar situation. It didn't bite my nose. It bit my bird's foot because my bird landed on its cage. It was like a friggin' menagerie in there, let mm -hmm. me tell you. And that was probably my first introduction to like horror movie. Kind of I opened the door and was like, because the bird is flying around the room. It was the whole thing. I love it. I grew up with birds and the birds would fly around our house. Uh, I did not have rats, but when I was real little, I found a chipmunk in the yard and decided to pick it up and it bit me on the face. Yeah, there's that. Mm, and then, that uh, right. yeah, it felt right. And then, of course, I'm bleeding and my parents were like, now we're going to have to watch you extra close in case I got rabies. But they didn't Who's automatically it? bring me to the hospital. Just oh, shows I like, love that for them. They were just like, you know what? We're just going to keep an eye on you. Overreact, not in this house. Yeah, like foams at the mouth. What would have been the sign Jennifer got rabies? That's a great I have question. No idea. Like maybe like spraying water on me, and if I got scared, like a vampire. Yeah, They're yeah like, I don't she's know. Either possessed or she's the chipmunk got her. <laughs> either way, honestly, she saw someone. There are a lot of signs that it could be both. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it also kind of explains a lot about mm -hmm. who I am today. I mean, it could be like a Spider-Man move over situation. Like you could have gotten bitten by a radioactive chipmunk as a child. And you, there's just these powers kind of latently waiting for you to wake them yeah, up. And that's have being you tried like scurrying cute. up a tree lately? Yeah. I was really kind no. of worried what kind of powers <laughs> a chipmunk would give you. Yeah, you could like put a, a lot of stuff in your cheeks. A lot of stuff in the cheeks. Which, you know, how many grapes? How many grapes this. can you get in there? That's not helpful. Yeah. Well, maybe I mean, you could store something. Not down here. This is just old people. You'd have skin. to try. Now I'm like, oh, does my chin look weird? Okay. Mine always looks weird. 
We're keep, the, the show went off the rails. We're like, okay, let's the talk show about never started. We don't have rails. I love this for the podcast Whenever listeners. Guests I love like, oh, the podcast me. listeners who are just imagining three women prodding at their jawline. Sometimes on my like, we're so visual and Allison and I are be like, oh, blah, 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 like zooming yeah, up to the And then like, we the forget, screen. I basically have to do this deposition style and add in, let the record reflect that Allison was yeah. pointing and pulling on her jawbones and then Jennifer was doing something similar and Devery was shaking her head going, what have I wandered into here? I was just trying i'm i'm just trying to convince jennifer to try to go climb a tree and see if the chipmunk yeah. comes through Maybe i'd be I'll willing to later. wait yeah <laughs> like okay, yeah. okay yeah text yeah, me and after we, and let me know how when it i get goes. the text i have fallen in the snow i've fallen um, my leg is broken now <laughs> yeah updates will be in the show notes yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> jennifer tripped on her way to the tree and <laughs> you are a dancer and that is your prerogative that you cannot walk on flat surfaces but you can do okay. amazing other things I know, like I do fall down just walking. But it's true. Very rare. Yeah, I don't know. You're making a solid argument for chipmunks. I don't think they do a lot of power. just rolling across open spaces. It's a lot of scurrying up and down. <laughs> it's a lot mm -hmm. of scurrying. There's lots of scurrying. Well, and one of the other things that you handle in here is some of the the poetry addresses feelings of loss possibly of like climbing trees and then of like friendships and things like that and oh, i don't yeah. want to lose jennifer to climbing a tree so i'm not going to let her do it i don't supervise oh. her very well so she could do kind of whatever um but i'm those always losses, running amok i know but those losses of friendships like you you address how they're just as important especially for those of us who are like you know these are my emotional support people like we're not allowed yeah. to carry emotional support dogs no one has said i can't carry jennifer around as my emotional support jennifer like i'm allowed chipmunk. to they, 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 yeah thank you i mean the emotional support chipmunk slash puppy mm -hmm. so so that was that was like a theme that you came back to a lot in there especially that idea yeah. of like this person being like your memory keeper and that yeah. part really resonated with me and some of this stuff like my my sister and i we sometimes do the whole do you remember this do you remember that because neither one of us have great recollections of some of the stuff and we're also old at this point so there's there's that but our mom was our memory keeper and when she passed mm -hmm. away it was like okay we're now all screwed because no one's gonna remember anything because our dad forget it like we love our dad but he wasn't yeah. around for a lot of the stuff that happened let alone even if he was like was he paying attention or was he kind of off on his own little world World. So that whole idea of like, okay, but if this person isn't around anymore, who is going to be like that outside verification, like two, two factor identification, they're the other factor from what yeah. you have up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the essay that you're referring to. I think it's called, um, what if no one remembers me? And it, it was the hardest for me to write for sure. Um, it was about it's, a, it's an essay kind of going through the disintegration of a very long and important friendship from the time I was really young. And that the ending of that friendship and one other that was equally important and, and long in my life was what spurred me to run away to Scotland, essentially. Like I was running from the pain and where it physically felt like it lived and trying to go somewhere where they'd like never been, you know, like Scotland, Edinburgh, that's a haunted ass town, but it didn't have my ghosts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I and really, so, I, oh yeah. The, the death of friendships is like truly heartbreaking. And that for me was the essay in your book that I felt the most. And yeah. maybe because like, I too have lost two lifelong best friends within mm -hmm. like a couple years of each other. Yeah. Um, just because I still don't know why, like, yeah, I, I, Isn't I don't that know. wild. One day we were friends and the next day 
completely ghosted. And I was you just know, like, I'm hearing this story what? like more and more, the more that people are, I'm talking about this book with people. I'm actually working right now on a second book um, just dedicated to this topic because I feel like there's so many, I haven't spoken to a single woman who hasn't said this happened to me. Yeah. I was at a brunch the other day for like a beauty thing. And I was at a table of four women that were complete strangers. And by the end of it, every single one of them was talking about how this had happened. Two were crying. One was like, yeah. I was just thinking about her on the train on the way here. One was like, there's the text message where it happened on Tuesday. And one was like, no, I've never been able to talk about this with anybody. And yeah. it's just, like particularly for women, our friendships are so vital for so much of mm -hmm. our our survival in life and yeah. support in ways that are not built in in romantic relationships, but they're also so trivialized culturally as like, if these things fall apart, it's either at best just like growing pains and at worst, it's like, well, that's just girls, they're catty. Yeah. And it's like, no, this was a, a life partner to me. Like, yes, because you and you said it beautifully deal. in the book when you talked about how when you get into like a romantic relationship when you're young, you don't, ex that's not forever. Like you, yeah. there's part of you that knows it's not forever, but why would a friendship ever end? Like why would yeah. two people who love each other so much yeah. kind of been and through like and talk about growing old together? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't have a single super close girlfriend where we haven't had at least one conversation where like, I can't wait till we're old and like <laughs> sitting on the porch and like cackling at children and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I think I use the analogy of like building a house and like when you're building a relationship and you're laying out the blueprints and stuff in, in a romantic relationship, like you build a trap door, you know what I mean? Because you know, at some point it might start shaking and it might come down and you need to get out. Yeah. Um, in a friendship you don't. And so when it comes down, it's like the rubble comes down on top of you and it is very, very damaging and it takes forever to get out. And then you're left like just sorting through the pieces, trying to find something to save that isn't like tainted by this fallout, you know, like yeah. are my memories still okay to feel good about? It's a very strange grief that we don't have like a structure for. Yeah, um, I mean- it's true. I ran away to the Midwest after my friendship broke up. I wish I, thought, I had gone to Scotland. That is yeah, a much better plan. So much I, the like, better place to, to run away to. Like, <laughs> come on, that's that's not even compared. Midwest versus no. And I, know, I, I, I almost want to hire choice. like a private eye. I I don't know if Jessica Jones is available, but to hunt <laughs> down these women, the one specifically who ghost, because I know in your book, you you and the one of the friends at least did have kind of like a closing conversation yeah. and. I, you know, for the ones that this has happened in my life, there's some that they've just kind of drifted away. And it's like, we used to be so close, but I can kind of see what happened. But mm -hmm. I do have one that just completely ghosted me. And I know where she is only because of her mother, who, mm -hmm. again, like, I don't really know what exactly happened. And I would love to have that private eye to go to all the people who ghosted and say, what happened? What mm -hmm. set this off? And again, I don't really know what was going on in their heads and how they perceived the friendship. But all I can imagine is that what they perceived in the friendship was so very different than what we were experiencing, that there was a disconnect and they never communicated it. And so I just wish that like for all the ghosters out there, you know, don't ghost. Send us like, an email. Just send an email. Us a, you know? It just says, you know what? Uh, you're a total bitch. You know, even if it says <laughs> yeah. that, like, that's fine. I think you know. for me, like, 
the person that ghosted me had been my best friend since literally the first day of kindergarten. We met on the swings and I just like never heard, there was no warning. There was no, like our friendship had friction. There was no anything. It was just one day. She never answered the phone again, never responded to a text. I've called her and I just like listened to her voicemail like you do with someone who's died. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, I know she's alive somewhere in her house, like <laughs> laughing. So, like, I know she's there, but in my life she died or like yes. almost in a way, like killed herself in my world. And like, it's like my experience with interacting with her in the wake of that choice is the same experience that people go through when someone just like suddenly gets hit by a car. Yeah, and, very um, true. It's yeah, but it's so strange because it's like, you can't grieve it. Like I can't look back on those memories in like this rosy way of like, right. oh my gosh, well, I love like, because it was her choice to leave. That's exactly and what, yeah. How often do people come on this podcast and cry, by the way? Am I a first timer on that? We've had a few, but but it is not. I think I've cried. Yeah, you, you <laughs> really, I think I've cried. I wanted the crown. I wanted the crown. But I think for like coping with that kind of, I had to make a choice of like, you want instinctually you want to understand why somebody would do something like that and if yeah. you're hurting you want to find like a reason for that pain and it's like okay so either she's a bad person or i am like either she's the bad guy or i'm the bad guy how did this happen and i kind of had to make the choice to just decide like no i don't think that's true for either of us either of you are the bad any of us are yeah. the bad guy i kind of had to be like okay well i have 26 years of data of knowing her and I've known her to be kind and brave and not the sort of person that would hurt somebody on purpose and the sort of person who would only do something like that if it felt like she had to for her own like peace and wellness and so there's some part of me being in her life that's like costing her her peace and peace of mind and ultimately if I love her i would rather her have a peaceful life than keep me in it you know what i mean yeah. so do i think that that was handled well no i think there was better ways to have done that um but at the same time like i don't think there was any way that that friendship could have ended that i would have handled it gracefully right out the gate like yeah i don't know i can't i can't say for her what her like anticipation of my reaction would have been like I don't know if she thinks that this was the best way the easier way to do it instead yeah. of having a knockout drag out fight yeah yeah but, you know it's like I would personally for me I would rather fight it out and then be done like it's but I it's the not I think knowing. that's the difference though like I don't yeah. think that she fancied a fight yeah. um but it was also it was just strange because it was like you know Maybe six months previous to that, I had literally asked her point blank to her face, hey, is there anything you need from me as a friend that I don't give you? Like, I'm just checking in with my relationships. Is there something that, am I missing something? Am I not? And I was asking, you know, family members, different friends, this question. And she was like, no, honestly, you're my, you're my best friend in the world. You're the best friend I've ever had. And then it was like six months later, gone. So I can sit here and speculate all day, like what happened or did someone tell her something or this or that, but ultimately if I'm ever going to have like peace with it, I just have to choose to believe that who I have always known her to be is still accurate. 
and mm-hmm. yeah. that for some reason our lives being together made her life painful and you know part of me is like she was trying to start over in the same way that I have recently and like having somebody who has kept your memories for so long being in that the room yeah. yeah can you ever yep. be someone new when someone who's known every version of you is sitting there going okay, but I know who you've been. You know what I mean? Even if they don't act that way. That's a great point. I went through every time I would go to a new school and I don't mean like switching schools. I mean, just you'd get older and you'd go to a new school and you try Mm -hmm. to like reinvent yourself. But there's always that friend who remembers you from before. So it's like, I remember when you peed your pants in kindergarten. (laughs) That was first grade, Jennifer. Um, But the whole whole idea of like, they still remember who you are. And so if you're trying to be someone new and they're still the reflection of who you were, you can't see your new self if they're still reflecting back your old self. And it may be something as simple as that. But honestly, it's a lot of it's just that uncertainty of not mm-hmm. knowing like what was it especially if six months before they're like work copacetic i i could ask yeah. for nothing else you know yeah and then, and you just wonder whether what the list was was so just too deep to get into that they chose the easy lie rather than the more painful truth and most of us would prefer yeah. the more painful truth but i know a lot of people don't so it's like and i don't i honestly don't think that was it like we weren't i i I'm a very intentional person in my relationships, friendships, everything. And I'm very intentional about who I want to be and like who I choose to be. And so I really like to a point that it's almost pathological. Like sometimes people are like, stop being introspective for God's sake, leave Mm -hmm. yourself alone. And I, you know, ever since I was a little girl, I've had this feeling of like, if there's some kind of love that or some kind of, of care or whatnot that I'm not receiving it has to be my fault. And so I'm going to take myself apart and like find the thing that's not working and put myself back together and try, you know, try to do those things, which ultimately that's not the case. Right. But the story that I heard from some people growing up was like, if you're not receiving the care you think you deserve, it's because you make it impossible to give it to you. And so then when I have these friendships Mm -hmm. fall apart, I'm like, it has to be me. Right. Like it like pushes that button really, really strongly. And it was, um, it was like, I think I talk about it in, in the book in, I think the second chapter, the second chapter in the book is called Scotland uh, Grief and the Vibrator I Hid in My Grandma's Garage. And that second chapter- And you can travel with a vibrator, Jeffrey. I know that now. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> no one's ever really sure and no one wants to risk finding out. Oh, I'm no, like, I who's calling travel. the TSA service line? <laughs> um, but that chapter was actually the last chapter I wrote in the book, the second one, uh, because it was like six months after the, the majority of the book I wrote in Scotland, like in that like phase where I was kind of running away to lick my wounds in a way. And by that squirrel, (laughs) (laughs) he probably would have just kept not, he would, he would have eaten me. He was a vicious little dude, but (laughs) that's why he's not on the cover. I know. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like if you're going to eat me when I'm dead, no, the pigeon would never. They might have like nested in my hair, but that's kind of respectful. That's frankly. awesome. Honestly, that, that could be like a great me. hat. No, the, pi- yeah. the pigeon has the same vacant look in its eyes as "Hey, hey, the stupid chicken from Moana," where it would just kind of peck yeah. you, like not food, and then walk away, then peck on yeah. you again, still not that's, food, and then walk away. You don't. Really that's an about energy it. I align with a hundred percent. Um. So yeah, that that second I just talked about in that one, like it was really a process losing these two best friends sort of revealed to me for the first time that I 
was so afraid of being abandoned when I never thought of myself that way before. Like I was, I've always been very independent. I've always had a very strong sense of self. Um, you know, my mom will tell you that I was like just over one years old and she tried to put me to bed in a crib in her room. And I said, no, I sleep in my own room now and walked down the hallway and closed the door and never slept in their room again. <laughs> like, Peace out. Yeah. That's Peace like out, the mom, vibe. Dad. Yeah. And when I was born, I didn't cry. I just stared everybody in the eye in the room like this could have been an email why did we call this meeting um so i was kind of like born that way you know and then i lost these two friends and i felt so untethered like i was like who am i if these people who had been my chosen people for my life like not the things that were given to me not the family i inherited but the people that i'd chosen that i'd poured all of this love into you know there's photos of us from the time we're four to the time i'm like giving toasts at their wedding you know if those people didn't love me or didn't like me, who was I at all? And suddenly I realized like, oh, I've made a lot of choices in my life by holding them up to them and saying, do you think that this fits me? And if they said no, like not pursuing it. And so it was this sort of horrible, bittersweetness of like for the first time I was untethered, but I was also free yeah, to yeah. be someone, like we said, new or- be, yeah. Or just and discover who you were always supposed to be. Yeah, to hold yeah. it up to yourself in the mirror and ask yourself instead of having them be the mirror that you were your own reflection instead of yeah. having putting that on someone else. Yeah, and I think it's true that like, would I, sh if my friend had said to me before that experience, I can't be someone new when you're in the room, would I have ever understood that? Probably not. Yeah. Um, and I would have fought that. But now if somebody were to say that to me, I would be like, yeah, been there and like let it go so there's just you know with these like friendship breakups I don't think they're modeled for us at all in in culture or media of like I mean how no. how yeah how many movies can you think of right now that feature a romantic breakup a million off all the top of, of your head yeah. <laughs> all of them but how many are focused around like how to healthily end or heal from the end of a friendship they don't exist, yeah, because, right? Because when we do see female friendships, they're, they're toxic to begin with, and it's like the mm -hmm. frenemy situation, or it's the sisterhood of the traveling pants, and everything is mm -hmm. always perfect, and they're ride or die until they, well, they die, or the movie just ends, whatever. But there's no yeah. of that, the, there's none of those situations where we can see healthy how to move through things like that. And so most of us, yeah. we sit there at a brunch with three other women realizing, oh, hey, we all went through this, but none of us talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I it's like the greatest heartbreak of our life. Yeah, I've, like, I've been divorced and lost a dad and all these things. But like my loss of my best friend since I was two and the other one was since I was four, like I think about them every day. Mm -hmm. And if they somehow got in touch with me, I would just be so happy. I'm like, let's pick up where we left off. Like there's still I would step in front of a bus for them to this yep. day and they yep. i think hate me that. i won't stay away from buses what, well there's no public called? transportation here in new you you text me when you're stuck in a ditch now you're trying to climb trees and step in front of buses i'm getting ready. i need that vacation next week <laughs> you really do, but don't take buses please have some skin trees a pina colada yeah yeah, I, I, I don't pina coladas. I don't think. I don't think there's gonna. Mm. You're not even really supposed to be drinking there, but. Mm. but I, you're not the first gal that I've spoken to who said that exact same thing. Like I've gone through all these various losses, including divorce, including death, and nothing has hurt as much as this friendship loss. And I think part of that is the fact that it's like 
a very invisible grief. Like there's no, like who brings you a casserole when that happens? And it's like grieving the living is just such a complicated thing. And people are always like, well, I mean, Hey, she was just a friend. Oh, she's still alive. Well, but you're right. Like not to you. She's not alive to you anymore. Right. Yeah. She's not in like the person. Go ahead. No, I should say there isn't the sympathy there either for mm-hmm. a lot of it because people then assume, well, what did you do? What did you do? But it's right. There's the assumption if that person goes to you, you did something unforgivable and you just mm-hmm. aren't, you aren't taking well, the personal accountability for it. Or and I remember like, cause I lost like every, like two friends very quickly. And then, you know, I had the person I was seeing at the time said, it's, it's probably a you thing. If two people to your lifelong best friends dumped you, what does that say about you? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what it says about me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. could, you, could you help me there? You got could you help me? Yeah. yeah. And like, in my case, the part of that that was true was just like, I repeated patterns in the sort of friendships that I held dear. And so when I still don't really have any answers about the ghosting one, but at least the one that that one essay is about the who will remember me, um, it was sort of like I had I had recreated the same type of relationship over and over, you know, this kind of love that felt familiar and this way of interacting with people that was safe and felt like, you know, this is what love is. And then when I started to kind of learn better ways to, to interact with people and have relationships and I started to change a little bit and set some boundaries, um, there was sort of, that was sort of the beginning of the end of that relationship. It's because I started to violate that social contract that we'd previously adhered to for so long. And I wasn't doing anything wrong or bad. In fact, I was kind of standing up for myself for the first time, but the other person experienced it as a betrayal. And like from her side, you know, if you put yourself in her shoes and you were her friend and you were listening to her on a podcast, you'd probably be a hundred percent like, next yeah, week. we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. I would week. come find you both and <laughs> physically fight weird. you if that <laughs> was the case. I would, I would be like, I would have to invoke you. my chipmunk powers. Your chipmunk I, powers. I, I away. Even that would save you. Okay. <laughs> but, but, but the whole, the whole idea of like, everybody's got a different perspective, but I think that's part of the reason why there isn't that public support when we go through things like this because people just assume you did something like I mean I've been through death and I've been through divorce and I know that with the death the the support is overwhelming and with the divorce a lot less so because people assume no matter no matter what happened they assume well you probably did something and so again it's the same kind of thing they assume you did something that you were not holding up your end of whatever contract they think you should have held up and even if you could show them well here's all the things i was supposed to do and all the things i did and here's what this person was doing again Mm -hmm. our assumption is always you had it coming and i know Mm -hmm. i personally for me like you say you know i brought this on myself i usually do assume the problem is me because usually somewhere Mm -hmm. it is so i know for me that's kind of how i take things apart and how i go through this and i go here are the patterns and then you know taylor swift says hi it's me i'm the problem Mm -hmm. and that's hard because then people don't want to give you support even if you're like Okay, but there's nothing that's ever 100% just one person, usually. It's usually yeah. there's some kind of disconnect happening that yeah. one person decides they don't want to keep working on. And if you weren't that person who said, I don't want to keep working on, then you are the one who's kind of like, I don't want to see the word victim, 
but you're the one who yeah. you're not the one who said I don't want to do this anymore. And then yeah. that's why you're like, okay, so it's loss of the power and loss of the control there because you don't have a say anymore in the relationship because there isn't one. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think I was treated very poorly in those situations, but like, I'm not trying to find a way to be like, well, you know, it's equal parts, both of our fault. But I think I can find an understanding of like, if not a, a true understanding of the reason, I can at least come to a piece of like, okay, well, based on the information I do have, I'm going to choose to assume the best of this person, not the worst, which is what I would hope they would have done for me. And just assume that their life is healthier and they're having a better time and it's easier for them without me in it. And ultimately, then that's probably true for me as well. Like if there was some role that I was playing in their world that was stunting their growth, mm. I don't think that I needed to be in their life. I don't think that they needed to be in mine at this particular point. And like, you know, for French, some friendships, it is true. Like growing pains, you grow apart. For some, I think it's like when you're two little plants planted in a really big pot and it feels like you have forever at a certain point, your roots are strangling each other and you don't realize it and you need to be replanted somewhere else. Um, I, you know, I wrestle with like, do I hope that they come back into my life sometime? I don't know. Um, or do I like close that chapter? But I think ultimately we're all done like a great disservice by understanding relationships of all kinds in this binary of like, either it lasts forever or it was like this doomed faded thing, mm. as opposed to like some of the best people and relationships in your life last X amount of time yeah. and they still are good, you know? Yeah, they're, they're seasonal um, sometimes and that that happens. And sometimes yeah. it's stuff, it's locational. I mean, a lot of the friendships I have haven't ended so much as they just aren't close anymore because the proximity is no longer there. And I yeah. hope I would get to see them again and spend time with them in a meaningful way. But I understand that that's unlikely to happen for most of them. Yeah. It's just like, that's the thing is that it's just, we're kind of like out here in our own little think tanks, like trying to figure this out without cultural things to ping off of, without kind of like some things, you know, that women have is like passed down sort of generationally, Generational like trauma. how you cope. <laughs> yeah. And, but there's like no conversations about, okay, it's your first big friendship breakup. This is how that goes. Like, let's go get ice cream and watch a movie. Like there's no recourse for that and I feel like it's so hard to bring up and talk about because like you said people are like either immediately what did you do or I think sometimes people go to like how is this hurting you so much like were you secretly in love with this person like how could you right. have this much feeling and you're like how does no one around me have friendships that mattered as much as like mine did <laughs> to me like yeah. but I think it's just it's like this very deep hurt that a lot of us are carrying around and don't know what to do with. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we could talk about this forever. Um, I know. But you, you handled it beautifully in the book. Um, I'm intrigued when you said you're working on something new that kind of focuses on this. Is this a fictional project or is it? Uh, this one is another, it would be my next nonfiction book. And it would be a kind of collection of um, essays and other interviews, other stories, trying to kind of collect a uh, cultural group knowledge about this experience oh, and orient it and understand cool. it. Um, yeah, and kind of process it 
from different ages, from different experiences, trying to find pairs of friends who have split up and like see both experiences and um, all that kind of stuff. Wow. So it's out right yeah. now. If you want to put a shout out to the publishers, well, <laughs> you're welcome. Our agent Amy will, but she's reminding you that there are novels as well. So she would like there to are novels. About novels. And that was my next question. So I'm just going to let Amy ask. Tell us about the novels. What are you okay. What genres? Um, where are they? Are you have you nanoed them to death already? Was that part of the ten thousand <laughs> words you were working on? So one of them I've been working on since I went to Scotland, um, and it's sort of changed as I have, which is why I think it's been on my plate for so long. But I'm really, I really love it. It's about now. This is going to sound familiar, but like any relation to people living or dead is completely coincidental, and all characters are a figment of the author's imagination. Okay. It's about a girl who's about to turn 30 and runs away to Scotland. I don't know. In search of oh, one gosh. love that she <laughs> thinks she's after and ends up learning that she needs something entirely different. Um, it's kind of women's fiction uh, because there's a huge story about the women in this family. Well, it's uh, either going to be women's fiction or possibly true crime, but I'm glad that you pulled it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's another, there's another one in the pipeline that's like a crime situation, but not true, hopefully. Not yet. Um, you can't don't manifest that one. But you just—it's not yet. Meaning you haven't committed the crime yet. Get that lobster's handcuffs for Deborah. She's yes. Yeah. I'm gonna need, right. send yeah. those my way. Well, they'll probably those fit. Could also be in the women's fiction for like ooh, hurt me, hurt me. Okay, if but that's different. Girl. If it's consensual, that's different, guys. We're not talking yeah, about that. Very different. No. So this one is sort of about it's it's um the main character. She lives in Los Angeles. Her grandma and her mom are there. It's this kind of codependent situation and she uh is in love with a longtime best friend he she ends up she thinks he's going to tell her that she he's in love with her too he's finally realized something goes wrong she decides okay i'm gonna run away to scotland where my strange aunt lives and try to find one of these hulky highlanders who wear kilts and that he has a problem with because he didn't get cast on the show highlander um, and see if I can flirt with them on the internet and make him like awaken in him this this jealousy, this love for me. So she runs away to her strange aunt's cottage and um, hijinks ensue. Um, and of course, the running away of the daughter to the estranged aunt draws some bad guys from home over to Scotland and lots of things collide in this little cottage on a cliffside in a small town with a quirky cast of characters as our young heroine tries to understand uh, what is the difference between the love she's been taught she deserves and the love she truly does. And what cast of characters, including the very hot tilted man indeed, teach her that lesson. Oh, that was very fun. Really good pitch. Love that one a lot. Um, and also there's like, you know, the intergenerational stuff between women, like what we pass down what we run away from, what we cope with, like who breaks the cycles, what does it cost them to do so um, is a big part of the central core of that story. And then I've got some other little things cooking. I've got a little New York City romance um, featuring like kind of a book talker who accidentally goes viral critiquing the like biggest author on book talk and essentially gets put up to make her own like version of what this person writes to prove that she could do it better. Um, but she has a big secret and that is she's never been in love. So she tries to enlist an old friend that she used to have a crush on when she was a kid, um, who's a real playboy to sweep her off her feet for like one week in New York city, um, and put all the moves on and essentially do like a fake romance 
to kind of give her the content she would need to write a banging romance novel. And so as you can guess, uh, <laughs> hijinks ensue, I will say. Hijinks. The hijinks. Yeah. I'm, yeah. There may be banging for educational purposes, um, but yes, yeah. for research. You know what I mean? Tax yeah. deductible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one's very fun as well. And, uh, you know, I have some, I have all kinds of things going. I've got a little uh, yeah, flower let, shop let the ideas percolate. <laughs> I have a little, a little murder mystery on a cruise ship featuring an older protagonist. It's that one's very fun. It's like knives out meets mm, the golden, golden girls. girls. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Is it just called golden knives? Because I think there's a title. That'd be pretty know. dope. That'd be, or just knife girls. Yeah. <laughs> I love that a lot. It's too close to spice girls, which, you know, it which works. isn't bad. That's not a bad hey, thing. Hey, I can make that work. So, um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm excited about what you've got going on. You're going to have to come yeah. back when the next book comes out. And uh, awesome. Awesome sauce. Um, yeah. We're closing in on an hour here. So perfect. that went by really fast. Uh, thank you, Devry, for being here. Thank you, yeah. Allison. Of course. Uh, we are off the next couple weeks because I am going to Morocco. <laughs> yay! <laughs> like, yay! So hopefully uh, we'll be back at the beginning of September and uh, mark your calendars. We've got some fun things going on in December. Of course, Allison and I will do our yearly eggnog extravaganza where we get drunk on eggnog and talk oh. about um, just nonsense. Cool. Yeah, I will... Be in the comments for that one with yeah. my own nog. I'll be yes. nogging it with nog with us. <laughs> it's nog time, baby. It's nog time, baby. And Amy is saying t-shirt fodder, tax deductible banging. I'm hearing that on merch for us now. Tax deductible banging. Yeah. I get a cut, okay? Those <laughs> that golden knife. The golden knife. That's knife like, exactly right. Just like the cheese plate we've got working up there, Allison. I ate all my provolone, but I still have some fat I left. I've got a, a mushy cheese. Don't cheese eat that. Stick. I'm not going to. I just ate all a right, everyone. right before this. So. Yum. Mm -hmm. All right, friends. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a delight. Thank you. Bye.